All right, good morning again. I want to invite you, if uh, Thanksgiving Day, you want somewhere to go, come to our house, one, two, four. The doors will be open. We'd love to have you over. Um, we're going to return to uh, Ephesians, obviously. Uh, last week, we were in part one of our line, our, our, well, part one of part two of, I made it whole, forget it, just forget it. I made it so kind of, the more I look at it, I go, why did you do this? Uh, you made it harder than it need to be. We've been following the outline, therefore be imitators of God, therefore do not become partakers with them, partners with them. We're in the first part of do not be partners with them. Today we're going to be in the second part. Our text again is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 all the way to 21. I ask that you would stand with me as we would pray and Pray and we will read God's holy word. Father, again, we thank you for you. We ask, Lord God, that you would plant your truth deep in us. That we would grow in maturity. We would grow in humility. That your church would grow. Lord, as we live in a day and an age of which it is wicked, of which you call us to make the best use of this time. We ask, Lord, your help in these issues for the sake of your kingdom, for the glory of Christ, we ask it. Amen. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. <clears throat> But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetousness, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these, the wrath of God <clears throat> comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The word of the Lord, may add his blessing to it. You may be seated. As we've been going through this last week, we were reminded, therefore, do not be partners with them. Do not be 
partners with them. As verse 5 says, therefore, do not become partners with them. Partners in what? Partners in sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. He said these things are the cause of the wrath of God to come upon the sons of disobedience. And he warned us not to be deceived in these things with empty words that people will tell you, oh, it's okay, it's no big deal. God understands love is love. They'll twist you with things that sound good. They sound godly. Oh, yeah, that's how God would be because God is. Yeah, God really cares and God really understands. No, God really doesn't understand. and uh, He doesn't. He doesn't understand any excuses that we come up with to sin against him. He says, do not become partners with them. Partners. Simiotokos. Joint owner, sharer, or partaking with. Don't dive in with them. Holiness is something of which we need to work at. As Ian Hamilton reminded us, holiness is not a condition the believer simply drifts into. The Christian life, the life that pleases God, involves effort. The reason that we're not to become partakers with them is first because of the severity of the punishment for being such a person. Flee from the wrath of God. But if we are God's beloved children, if we are God's treasured possession, of which earlier in Ephesians he says, you are God's treasured possession. Think about that. God says, I treasure you. God needs nothing. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. But he says, I treasure you. How special are we to God? If we are his treasured possession, he says, do not become partners with them in these things. Avoid the wrath of God. But also another reason is that we are to remember, we are to remember what it was like to once have been a son or daughter of disobedience. We sang this morning that we were once God's enemy and are now seated at his table. We need to remember that, that I was an enemy of God, and God was an enemy to me, and God was going to win the war. I wasn't going to win. You weren't going to win. God wins every single while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. He sits us at his table. How incredible is that picture? You hate me? Hey, I got a place for you. Come sit at my table. What an incredible thought that is. We need to remember that we were once darkness. That we once walked as children of the world. That's what he says in verse 8. Do not become partakers with them. Why? Verse 8. For at one time you were darkness. The word darkness is skotos. Absence of light. Here it means unable to understand. Not being able to understand. We at all, uh, we all at one time were dead in our trespasses. We all at one time followed the course of the world 
following the devil and the passions of our flesh. That's what it says in chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the man, like the rest of mankind. This was the state of all of God's adopted children prior to God's great love invading your life, breaking in through the darkness. If it were not for God breaking through, if not God coming to the rescue, we would still be in darkness. We would be children of disobedience upon which the wrath of God comes. But we read those incredible words, but God. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, but God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, dead, unable, incapable of saving ourselves, incapable of doing anything for ourselves. Why? Dead men tell no tales, they used to say, right? You can't do anything if you're dead. You're unable. We were dead in our trespasses. But God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We need to remember this truth, loved ones. The same truth is told to, uh, in Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, where we read those wonderful words, and such were some of you. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Twice we're warned in Scripture about the things that the uh, children of disobedience do, the sexually immoral, and all of those things. He says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. The pattern of your life is to be against God. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Twice we're warned, do not be deceived in this. Do not be deceived. Nobody's getting away with anything. All will stand before God one day. We all must give account to the one of whom we stand naked and bare, the writer of Hebrews says. It is appointed on the man once to die, and after that, the judgment of where the secrets of our hearts will be laid bare. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. What great words. And such were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of our God. God wants us to remember what we once were and what we are now in Christ Jesus. And Paul, now again for the second time, reminds them of what they were 
and what they are now. Again, verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. The word light, phos, photon, right? Light, daylight. Here it means the people of God. You know, when we're tempted to go our own way, when temptation comes and we're, 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 we're being drawn to go away from the clear commands of God and the way that we know that pleases God, we should bring to our mind, hey, I remember what it, mean, I remember what it was like to live back there. What it was to be a slave to sin. And we need to remember that through Jesus Christ, we have been delivered from the fruitless works of darkness. As Paul, writing to the church in Colossae, says this, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We must remember who we are. We must remember that we are children of light. We must remember who we belong to. We must remind ourselves that God has taken us from being children of darkness to children of light. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. We must daily remind ourselves, even moment by moment remind ourselves, how we are to behave in this present darkness. We're to walk according to the new nature of which is created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're to walk as God's treasured possession. We're to walk, it says, as children of light. Look what it says again in verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Of light. Walk, you should know this by now, peripateo, to behave, to conduct one's life. How do we walk as children of light? What do I got to do to walk as children of light? Well, the evidence that we are children of light is that we walk in all that is good, right, and true. Good, right, and and true, look what it says in verse 9. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true. What is good, right, and true. R. Kent Hughes in his commentary says these. These are the ethics of light. These are the ethics of light. The word good is agathosune. It means active good, actively doing what is good. Not just somebody good by disengaging, good by not participating, that's good, but I am actively doing good. What's the scripture tell us? He has shown you, O oh man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? that you should do justly, to act rightly, and to walk humbly 
with the Lord your God. Micah tells us that. The word right is diakasune. It means to be put right with. I'm going to walk and behave in a way that puts me right with God, not at odds with God. And I'm going to do what is true. Aletheia means truth, reality, pertaining to what actually occurs. Paul tells the church that if there's anything that is good, anything that is right, anything that is true, anything that is praiseworthy to what? Think on such things. How often do we think about what's right or good? How quickly we are to make our judgment against somebody, to tell somebody, see something, and automatically be negative about it. Automatically have a judgment say, this is what it is. It's a snapshot. I don't know the backstory. Instead of seeing what is right and good, as we walk as children of light, as we walk in what is good, right, and true, it helps us to discern the will of the Lord or what is pleasing to God. Verse 10 says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Doikimazo is the word discern. It means to test, to examine, to try to determine. That's a word that tells us it takes effort. It takes effort to find out, is this pleasing to the Lord? There are some things which we know are automatically pleasing to the Lord. If it's right, good, and true, it's pleasing to the Lord. Ian Hamilton, in his commentary, writes this. God's will is what pleases him. And what pleases him is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Listen to this. This requires Christians to have Bible-saturated minds. He goes on to say, there are no shortcuts to developing a Bible-saturated mind. Like our Lord Jesus Christ, we must apply ourselves every day to reading, hearing, and hiding God's Word in our minds, in our hearts, and in our minds. We must apply ourselves every day to reading, hearing, and hiding God's word in our hearts and in our minds. And when we do that, and when temptation comes, and temptations will come, the scripture tells us. Jesus said temptations will come, but woe to the one by whom they come. Temptations are going to come. You are going to be tempted to go back to being a child of darkness. And when we're tempted... We must ask ourselves, with our Bible-saturated mind, is what I am choosing or thinking about doing, is it good, is it right, 
And is it true? In order for us to make that decision, we must also be in a posture of prayer before God. Constantly praying. Praying without ceasing, the scripture says. Writing this sermon and studying for this, I narrowed it down to this statement. A Bible-saturated mind and a praying heart will lead you in paths of righteousness. Bible-saturated mind and a praying heart will lead you in paths of righteousness. Because if our Bible is in our heart and in our mind, the Lord Jesus Christ is in our heart and our mind. And if we're a praying person, who are we praying to? God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so then who ultimately leads us in paths of righteousness? God leads us in the paths of righteousness. Just as we are not to speak of immoral, filthy things, crude joking, all of those things we're to put away from us. We're not to be partners with them. It says also, so we are to take no part in the un fruitful works of darkness. Verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. What are the unfruitful works of darkness? Whenever you come to a passage like this, well, what does God mean by it? What are the unfruitful works of darkness? Remember that the greatest interpreter of Scripture is Scripture itself. What does he mean by this? What are the unfruitful works of darkness? We go to the book of Galatians, and we clearly have listed for us what are the fruits, the unfruitful works of darkness. In Galatians 5, 19 to 21, we read this. Now the works, the acting of the flesh, are evident. The unfruitful works of darkness are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And then we have this warning for the third time in Scripture. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things, that is, practice them, make it a habit of their life, will not inherit the kingdom of God. We must check ourselves against God's list of what God says is good, right, and true. So what I'm being tempted to do, does it fall within any of the categories of Galatians 5, 19 to 21? No. Well, then go to the fruit of the Spirit, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. God doesn't say, I have a problem with those things. I empower you to do those things, but I have a problem with the works of the flesh. I hate the works of the flesh. My wrath comes because of the works of the flesh. We are not to participate in any way with the unfruitful works of darkness. 
What is our world full of today? Unfruitful darkness, calling us to compromise and to give in on all kinds of things. We truly live in a day and an age in which what is good is called evil and what is evil is called good. We're not to take any part of them, rather we're to expose them. Look what it says in verse 11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose. Enlanco. Rebuke. Reprove. Convict. Bring to shame. Light. When it turns on, what happens to your room when the light is turned on? What happens? The darkness disappears. Light reveals or exposes. How many of you have tried searching for something in the dark because you didn't want to disturb your spouse by turning the light on and you realize it's a fruitful task, right? And then we go and we thank God for that little flashlight on our phone, right? Probably the most used function on our phone. At least it is mine. Light reveals, it exposes. And since we are children of light, the scripture says, we are to expose the fruitless works of darkness. And we do so in two ways. First of all, by not participating in them. So when you're in a group of people and they want to do X, and you know God says not to do X, you say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to walk away from that. I am not going to participate in that. They can make fun of you, and they may, and they ridicule you, but you stand your ground and say, I refuse to do that. Why? Why won't you do it? It's no big deal. God says not to, so it is a big deal. And I'm going to stand on what God says, no matter what the consequence. That is an exposing of the fruitless deeds of darkness. And there's another way. When necessary, calling it out for what it is. Calling out sin. We don't just call it out and say, oh, you wicked person, and you this, and you that, you this, and, and in a way that pronounces judgment. But there is judgment with it. We're not going to ignore judgment. But we do it in such a way as Paul has done, in which, first of all, it honors God, and it tells the person, what you are doing incurs the wrath of God. Therefore, flee, because God has made a way for you to escape his own wrath. Call people to repentance is what it is. Expose the sin and have a call to repentance. Just to expose and go, bah! and bring no ability of repentance into it is to be yourself a person who participates in the unfruitful works of darkness. We're to expose sin in a way that calls a person to biblical repentance. Look what it tells us in verses 12 to 14. He says, for it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. Remember, he says, have nothing to do with these conversations because it's shameful. It's, it's not saying don't call out. Don't have conversations about it. 
just call it out. Call it what it is and end the conversation there. It's shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. You know, the, world, the sick world in which we live in, what people do publicly is shameful. Imagine what they do in secret. Oh, my gosh. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. As we said, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's what we're to do. Expose it. Expose it how? By the standard of God's word. God says this. This is what we are to do. God says we are to do this. And as we expose it, as it becomes visible, we're to call people to repentance. That's what it means by awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Christ will invade the darkness, and the darkness will be dispelled. But we need to be careful when we call out people, when we call out sin. Jude warns us very carefully to hate the clothes that are even stained by sin as we snatch them from the fire. But we need to be careful that we don't call out in such a way that we are, in essence, the Pharisee at the temple. Saying, I thank you, God, that I'm not like. We need to be very careful and look carefully at how we walk. We must ask ourselves, what characterizes my life? That's what it says in verse 15. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Carefully. Acrobos. In other words, accurately. Don't we tend to be, isn't our human nature tend us to not look at things accurately about ourselves? We can either underdo it because we have a false humility or we overinflate, right? Oh, yeah, well, you know, and, and we make a bigger deal out of it than it actually is. We must look carefully at how we walk. We must ask ourselves, am I walking in the way that is of the light, of what is good, right, and true? We must ask ourselves, as Paul says to the church in Rome, you who say do not steal, do you yourself steal? You better be careful. People may be quick to say, yeah, well, remember when you, and then you can say, yeah, I did, but I don't anymore by God's grace. Jesus, you remember, told the disciples when he was at the Garden of Gethsemane and he himself was in deep agony and praying, he says to the disciples in Matthew 16, 26, 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the, flee the flesh is weak. Remember when Elder John was preaching on the Lord's sermon. Isn't it better to pray not 
to get into the temptation than to have it come and ask God to help you in it? Absolutely it is. Watch. That's what the watch part is. Watch and pray. If you know that you're in your past or inclined to something, ask God, help me not to. God, you know this is a struggle for me. You know my former. You know that I'm X, Y, or Z, and I struggle here. Lord, help me by God's grace not to. Not only are we to look carefully at how we walk, it says that we are to make the best use of our time. Verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Making the best, exagrazo, means make good use of opportunity or to redeem. How do we make the best use of our time? How many of us who were to take an account of our life would be honest that we probably waste a lot of time? I could tell you that. And it might be on things that are amoral, even somewhat good. It's good to go to the gym. It's good to this. It's good to whatever. But if it's taking you away from developing a, Bi a Bible-saturated mind, then I can tell you it's not good. It's not good in God's mind. How do we make the best use of the time? Because the days are evil. And anybody, anybody here disagree that we're living in an evil time? You think things are just going well out, out there in the world? Absolutely not. Right? No way. We live in evil times. We live indeed in a crooked and a perverse generation. So how do we make the best use of time? This is what I wrote. A Bible-saturated mind and a praying heart will not only lead you in paths of righteousness, but it will help you to know the Lord's will and therefore do what pleases Him. See how it all works? A Bible-saturated mind, a praying heart, will help me to do what is right. It will help me to know what pleases the Lord. Well, help me to know what his will is. You want to know what God's will is? He tells you right here. This is how my will for you in these things. This is how I want you to behave in this world. It's clear. We don't have to wonder. Other things he doesn't make clear. We have to rely on prayer and Holy Spirit and, and counsel from others. But how to live a godly life is clearly written for us in Scripture. Redeem the time and to make the best use of the time. Bible-saturated mind, a praying heart, and remember who you are. Remember who you are. And respond accordingly to who you are. Respond accordingly to who you are. We'll leave off with what Peter writes in his letter. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Here's this theme of darkness and light over and over in Scripture. Who were you? Who are you? Who were you? 
Once you were not a people, you were at one time stateless, remember? But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Boy, we need to view ourselves as sojourners and exiles in this world. To abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, the sinners, that is, honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Let's resolve to not be partakers, partners with anything that is untruthful, anything that would take us out of God's marvelous light. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Forgive us, Lord. As the song says, prone to wander. Lord, I know it. But help us, Lord God. Help us as we seek to have a Bible-saturated mind and a praying heart that our wanderings would get littler and littler, less and less, as we fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, who will guide us, who will guide us to our final place, life with you forever and ever. Help us in these matters for the glory of Christ, we ask it. Amen and amen. Let's stand, let's close in a song. We invite you to open your hymnals to number 571. 571, trust and obey. 571. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sigh nor a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, no 
but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay for the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for them who will trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go never fear only trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in jesus but to trust and obey amen god bless you all Praise his name.